So, Tom, what do you think about movies that are made from books? Oh, well, they're my favorite. Yeah. That's, and that's like a lot of movies, but <laughs> you know I'm into it. Harry Potter's my jam. So Nightmare Before Christmas, my jam. <laughs> Isn't that Nightmare Before Christmas kind of like a kid's book, right? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's like a long poem, kind of Tim Burton. You never know if he's doing little poems or if he's going to do anything more or if he's going to start getting bad at making movies. Hot take. Not very big fan of his recent stuff. Anywho, why do you ask, Danielle? Well, I'm usually a big stickler of how close a movie's adaptation is to the faithful telling of the book. Oh, no. And although the adaptation of Howl's Moving Castle is far from a faithful adaptation of the book, it is no less a beautiful and captivating ride. Might I say my favorite Ghibli movie? Ooh, I may be on the exact same page, but we'll talk about it. Before we get into everything about Howl's Moving Castle, which is the Ghibli film we will be talking about today. If you couldn't gather that, (laughs) whether it be the title or the mention in the intro. (laughs) But one more time, that is exactly what we'll be talking about. So I have subscribed on Instagram to an account, Erduyan, and she makes handmade enamel pins. (laughs) And some of them are just cute characters that she may have designed, but she also has a line of anime-inspired pins. And guess who your girl bought? Oh. That's right. She restocked. I copped some when they released, and they were already some of them sold out, the ones that I wanted. I know. But she had Inuyasha pins. She also had some Demon Slayer ones, but I didn't like them as much as the Inuyasha ones. Yeah. So I splurged. I got three. Inuyasha, Kikyo, and Sango. And can I just say a little, um, what's Kilala oh, in don't her you arms? Dare forget Kilala. It's so cute. I love it. At some point, that there, that Sango pen will go missing. You've claimed, <laughs> you've claimed enough of my stuff that I think I am due for claiming that. Well, and I want to circle this back to us talking about Howells because I ordered these pins. We bought the movie Howl's Moving Castle, neither of us had seen it. Well, you had kind of. So long ago that I don't even count it as seeing it. So it was kind of like, our. it was basically my first time again. Yeah. So we had both watched it for the first time later in the day when I bought these pins. Had the most gut-wrenching feeling. I didn't see the Howl's Moving Castle pins she had on her account. And... I really wanted to order a second set, but they're like $15 a pop. And I was like, eh. We like supporting the local artist, even though it's not local at all. But man, prices are hoo-wee, but it's, they are nice. Yeah. And we did want to wait and see how the quality of these were before possibly ordering more because she has a small shop. I think she's based in Canada mm-hmm. and she has a cute shop. Unfortunately, my MVP of the show, Calcifer unfortunately has sold out and he has the cutest little pin on her site but the Sophie and Howl pin are adorable Howl's holding the little fallen star calcifer which we'll talk about how cute absolutely a great uh, anytime you can get 
a little merch around your favorite show is always a good day. Yeah. I'll tell you what, though. After the way you were eyeing Howl, I don't know if Sashomaru should be jealous or not. I don't know, but I think you should. No. <laughs> no, I don't turn into ooze. And that'll make sense a little bit. That's a little yeah. bit of a spoiler. Anyone who is, we, we like doing this. We'll just go through a little quick synopsis of the main plot points. And then after that, if you haven't seen it and you don't want anything spoiled, well, then get out of here. I don't want you hearing it anyways. <laughs> and then once you see it, come back, please. So do you, you know what? You are the queen of this. You've actually taken the initiative and also read the book. So you're going to have more insight than me. Give just like a super elevator pitchy not elevator oh gosh i'm terrible not elevator pitchy but just a little (laughs) bit longer than that but just give a little synopsis of the book no the movie oh the movie i was like (laughs) i don't want to get in the book yet (laughs) no no the movie the movie um so i i can't honey i can't okay well (laughs) so if that sounds good to you guys Keep this in. No. This is good. You're better at doing this than I am. I'm not. And now I'm, uh, I, I'm pressured. So <laughs> basic synopsis of the tale. We follow a young girl. She one time, she ends up having an encounter with a, a witch who is actually not liked very much for good reason. Eh, she turns so cute later in the movie, but that is besides the point. A spell is cast on our main character, Sophie, and she is turned into an old lady. Now, she doesn't really know what to do, so she ends up skipping town. Well, on her little adventure, she goes out into these desolate plains, and all these people, as she's traveling out, they're like, hey, whoa, I wouldn't go out there. She's like, I'm old, don't worry about it. I think that's what she said, right? (laughs) And so she's out there, and this big old castle comes walking by. Well, no, actually, sorry, I'm skipping. I I want to keep it brief, but she comes across a scarecrow, who is my favorite character in the movie. And anyways, big moving castle that walks on legs, very cool sequence. Just this whole, it's so whimsical. It's a Ghibli thing. Of course, it's going to be whimsical, but she ends up kind of living in that castle and she's just aiming to hopefully break this spell. And uh, the man in the title, Howl, may or may not be a man who could help. Yeah, and the master of the castle. And the master of the moving castle. So... This one certainly has has taken one of the top spots for Ghibli for me. Yeah, made in 2004. I was surprised that it was Miyazaki's ninth directed feature and the 14th to be released by Studio Ghibli. I feel Mm -hmm. like, I mean, I didn't really know what to expect, but I was surprised that it was 14th. Oh, absolutely. I think that one, he had already had solid ground, so of course people could trust him with it, but actually he wasn't even supposed to be the director initially. In fact, it was a Mamoru Hosoda who was cur- at that time in 2000 when pre-production was starting up. He was working at Toei Animation. This would have been his directorial debut and he had gotten Miyazaki's blessing. Miyazaki liked his work and that's great. And actually, wow, what a freaking honor, right? But as things were coming up in pre-production, there was just too many creative differences between, I think, Ghibli themselves and him. So he ended up kind of stepping down and Miyazaki just slithered right in. Not calling him a snake. I just, that's the only way I could say it. And <laughs> he's a great man. And the rest was history. And I mean, I don't know what it would have been like under him, but I'll take a Miyazaki film any day of the week. 
So it was interesting. I actually saw and found out that this movie was produced digitally, but all the characters and backgrounds were drawn and painted by hand Mm -hmm. and then scanned and then manually retouched after digitally assembled to make sure they had that hand done feeling and seamlessly went together, Mm -hmm. which I didn't know. And I can't even fathom how that even works. Right. (laughs) Beautiful movie. We say that for a lot of stuff, but it's kind of a given with these movies. Absolutely beautiful. Music was nice. The world is livable. I'll tell you that much. Checks, checks everything off. It's a good one. I I think the movie wasn't even halfway through. And I said to you that I think this is aiming to be my favorite Ghibli movie. Mm -hmm. It's got with everything that you just outlined. Yeah. It's got some little bit of depictions of war in there because there is a war going on and things like that. So it's got its darker tones, but it's also very lighthearted. And there's some so cute things between Calcifer the Flame and Turnip Head, my favorite character in the movie. <laughs> He's just that random uh, scarecrow she meets and it's something about him. I liked him from the get-go. I actually hated when the spell broke. Spoiler alert. He's a, he's a prince. <laughs> yeah. But definitely, definitely on the top of my recommendations now for, from this. Oh yeah, for sure. I'm glad that we broke down and bought it. Absolutely. Because... I didn't break down. I, I wanted to get it. Oh yeah. But I know I had heard good things about it. Not as much as I would gush to someone about it though, which is unfortunate. I'm going to be that kind of announcer from the mountaintop now about Mm -hmm. howls, but I'm surprised we hadn't watched it before. And I'm glad that we own it because my kids are not watching Disney movies. Oh, is that so? (laughs) The Lion King's still good. What other Disney I movies? Guess Aladdin. Little, little Mermaid. Too. Little Mermaid. All right, Disney, you're still on the list, but we just think careful. The, the newer Disney movies don't don't get me like the classics do. True, but that's where Pixar Except picked up and Pixar is Disney. And oh man. A couple more little little factoids before we get into we'll just start talking our favorite moments or something to start ripping through. And actually, I actually I want to hear a little bit about the book after we're through a couple of these. Okay. All right, cool. So just little snippets. They're not going to add anything to your experience if you're going to go ahead and watch it. But just the Japanese voice actress who did the main character did the young version as well as the old version in the movie. Whereas in the English, they went ahead and had two separate actresses do that. Not going to change your life, but in fact, pretty interesting. We didn't watch the English dub, but probably will just because the cast is pretty stacked and I'd like to see how they did it. And usually with Ghibli movies, the English is A-OK. I think there's also a certain standard when doing that. Whereas sometimes an anime will come over from overseas, they'll go a little low budget, and there are some very funny moments from some English dubs that I think one, I don't remember what it was. There was some anime that I think they just gave up on, and they said, who cares about the translation? Say whatever you want. And it ended up being one of the wackiest things I had ever seen. Hmm. I'll have to find that. I don't, I don't quite remember. But English dub wise, Christian Bale of Batman fame. (laughs) (laughs) Everyone has to do it once. I'm sorry. Whatever. He was. That was a terrible. (laughs) Is that better? I don't care. I hate Batman. No, I like Batman the hero. Wasn't. Oh, I don't even want to say it. I was going to say you're going to make a lot of enemies, especially your wife. It's like. I, like, I still can't believe you do not like 
the one with Joker in it. I it's don't not remember that I don't like it, but what an overhyped movie. No, it's I don't not think that so. Good. I do not think so. The Dark it is so good trilogy is okay. I'm not saying the trilogy. I'm just talking about throw all the other Christian Bale Batmans. I'm talking about the one with the Joker. You with cannot Heath. tell me that that was not Heath Ledger's unfortunate, unfortunately best performance. If and you, it was unfortunately his last. If you want me to lie to you, I'll say sure. But unfortunately, my body answered for that. I went and saw this twice. I know. And you fell asleep. And I fell asleep both, both times. <laughs> Granted, I used to stay up very late and I don't know if that had something to do with it. It's a great, it's a good movie. Take it easy. <laughs> I just get so fired up when you say you don't like it. You know it. what doesn't get me fired up? That movie. <laughs> <laughs> so stupid. I'm sorry. So Christian Bale. Christian Bale, terrible Batman renditions. All right, check, check. Uh, anyways, he liked, after seeing Spirited Away, uh, the 2001 film, he liked it so much, he kind of went to Jim and was like, listen, for Howl's, I will take any role, please. But then oh, he, interesting. He ended up getting, I believe, Howell. The so, leading man. The leading man. So that was pretty interesting. And I like Christian Bale as a person, I think. I haven't met him, so that's why I'm putting I think in there. The only person I can judge that's a relatively famous person is John Mayer because those Houdinki interviews. Oh, he's so genuine. I, listen, I, as you said, I don't know anything about these people. And I used to have a really bad mind image of John Mayer because like you would think he's a womanizer with dating all these women sure. and you hear things about him. Didn't Taylor Sw did Taylor Swift? Yes. Mm-hmm. Um but go on YouTube, fire up that old YouTube, look up or just search because Houdinki is weird to spell. <laughs> Do John Mayer watch interviews and you'll see it's from the brand Houdinki. There's two of them. One from like seven years ago, one from last year, 2019 or 2020. He talks about his watches. And I'm telling you, it is the most genuine. And sometimes when it's three o'clock in the afternoon and it's a slow day, I will fire up that interview and listen to it in the background. Oh, absolutely. I, I have watched both of them probably five times. I believe Houdinki also did Post Malone, another person that I would think, I mean, I've heard he smells bad, but I would think he's a very <laughs> nice guy. Anyways, John Mayer, I'm sure he's great. So <laughs> have you ever, I don't know, seen Lieutenant Dan in person, Danielle? I haven't, but I know someone who has. That was me. And I can judge from this encounter. You're not even going to believe how in-depth me and Gary Sinise got. Uh, I can definitely judge him as a good guy because I bro-nodded him in college. That's it. I didn't say a word to him. But, but do you know what? I think that impression you did for him he's gonna remember that forever i think there was this weird kid just standing there and he kept doing this neck thing to me that's probably what he's <laughs> telling everyone but now basically where me and danielle met in college which is now a demolished building he's not joking it's legitimately flattened and i'm wearing actually a, a sweater right now a hoodie of our school it's pretty vintage now now that it doesn't exist <laughs> this this shirt's up there with a Mickey Mouse shirt as far as what's real. That's so cool. But we were, I guess the Lieutenant Dan Band used to record at our, our school. So had no idea. Saw the guy. I was like squinting him. And I'm like, well, who is, who is that guy? And then he looked over at me, smiled, and I thrown out at him and went about my day and then go on Facebook. Yeah, we used Facebook back in the day. Go on there. And sure enough, Gary Sinise was at school. And I thrown out at him. 
and it was <laughs> worth it. It was so worth it. Yeah. I think, I think people who are famous appreciate that more than people fawning over I them. think people who are famous don't know what I'm thinking. <laughs> famous people are so cool, aren't they? We should idolize them. <laughs> Anywho. Who else are these American voice actors that oh, are that's English, all I, I care guess. to even say. There's, oh, a, there's okay. a couple who were actresses and they were pretty, I mean, it was a star-studded cast. They even had Billy Crystal as Calcifer. I believe it was Billy Crystal, right? I'm not getting that yes, wrong. Because I don't also, know who that is. Who was also Mike Wazowski. So anytime you can get Wazowski in the building, I think that's uh, <laughs> pretty solid. And yeah, the other ones was, and this is just a name drop. I don't know much about them, but we also had uh, Gene Simmons, Blythe Danner, Lauren Bacall. Wait, 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 wait. Gene Simmons? Yes. Like from Kiss. Yeah. Can you believe it? He, he was in it. No. Oh. It's an actress from back in the day. Oh, okay. I'm like, way back up. Yeah. She was in, Rewind. she was in uh, 1960s Spartacus. She was in. 1955's Guys and Dolls as Sarah Brown. You know, this isn't clicking with you. I love, I love Guys and Dolls, but I haven't seen well, that. Well, she's in there. So if you know Sarah Brown and she was nominated for two Oscars. Very nice. Did you look up any of the Japanese voice actors? No. So I'll tell you that we won't know or recognize you and I anything from their list except one. Okay. Our little, little man, Markle. Sure. He is. Taki from Your Name. Look at that. He's also Sho from Arietti. And then he's Bo from Spirited Away. See, now that's the dream right there. Just get into the good graces of the high heavens of Ghibli and have <laughs> them keep calling you back. Oh, yeah. what a dream. If this voice of mine wasn't so bad, <laughs> I would love to do that. But that's I just love cool. that he's Taki. Yeah. Our our little boy, when he did Markle, grew up to be one of our favorite men. And just like that, he's one of our favorites. Doesn't take <laughs> much in this household. Daniel, tell me a couple things that you spotted that would be heavily. Oh, before we get into the book, you classic me, jumble brain here. <laughs> one last thing, and this will actually be a segue into you talking about the book. The film didn't come out until 2005 in England. Oh, so, okay. Or, or, yeah, right? That's where the author's from. UK? Yes, yes. And so this, this movie came from a book based... What year was that book from? That was in 80? I have from it. 1980, uh, 1986. 86. And the author kind of was very standoffish with the approach and said, hey, we want to make one based on it. And she's like, yeah, I'm cool with that. And I'm like, hey, do you want to put any input into this? She's like, absolutely not. Because it's going to be different from my book anyways. And I want to see what you guys do. And she, judging on an interview, very much enjoyed the movie. Mm -hmm. But because it didn't come out until 2005, Miyazaki himself actually flew on out in 2004 and gave her a private showing of the movie. Oh, that was nice. Yeah. So that, would, that must have been pretty surreal. I couldn't imagine. And she also said, I'm not a movie writer. I write books. So I'm mm -hmm. not trying to help with that. So she seems like a very genuine woman. And wow, what a... <laughs> What a great way to now get into talking about the book. Am I right? <laughs> so I'll shout out the author. Her name is Diana Wynne-Jones. Mm -hmm. She is from the UK, as we said, wrote the book in 1986. As I said, we watched the movie and I was like, oh, this is based off a book. I'm going to see if it's on 
uh, Hoopla or whatever. What do we use? We use Libby. either Hoopla or Libby. So, which, by the way, please shout, tell people what that is because we almost got Audible useless. If you've got a local library, get these apps. Yeah, so get, see first because some books may be on one app versus the other. So we have both Hoopla and Libby. During the pandemic, we went to our local library, got a library card. You enter your library card into the apps and you can rent free books and audiobooks. And I think movies too. Mm-hmm. And so audiobooks, I got that new long drive in audiobooks. I have been crushing it. Yeah. So we almost got Audible. Glad we didn't because we don't have to pay for this. They do have a limit on how much you can rent, but people, it's 15 books a month. 15 or if, 20 on yeah, one of them. If you can go through that many books in a month. Lord bless you. Then you don't need to be reading fiction. <laughs> you need to be reading dictionaries. I don't know. <laughs> You're impressive. So I did find the book on Hoopla, actually. Okay. And I spent a weekend listening to it. Yeah, you did. That You were ignoring me all weekend. Oh, yeah. I was like, please, I want to just listen to this book and get it over with. Because I was hoping we would record this podcast actually a little sooner. But that's okay. It's still fresh in my mind. I was hoping that the book would highlight pieces of the movie that we didn't understand, like the war bits and Howl's transformation, things like that. Unfortunately, the book has way fewer friendlier characters and environments. It's, and I could tell by the writing style and reading other English books, like Harry Potter, it's very, it's not bland, obviously, because the world building, but it's, it's so hard for me to describe, but it's not as romantic, obviously, as Ghibli does things. Oh, sure. And I mean, heck, that blonde guy walked on screen and I thought I'd have to fan you off. <laughs> that was a different scene, if, I, if, if I'm not mistaken, it right? It is. So the famous scene where Howl... So let me back up. Irk. Skirt. <laughs> Skirt. Sophie is the eldest child of three daughters. Okay. The youngest being a half-sister. It's funny in the movie, they only show you one Mm -hmm. of the sisters and what it appears to be as her mom. Actually, in the book, it's her stepmom. Oh. And her father dies. Each daughter. So the lore of this world that Jones has written about, the eldest child always has the worst outcome. She's not really going to have a lot going on in her life. So she... Doesn't have a lot of self-confidence, Sophie. So the mom, after the dad dies, sets up each daughter with a different role to kind of get their life going. Sophie, just as in the movie, is going to inherit the hat shop. She goes to see her other sister, who's working in a sweet shop. And on the way, unlike in the movie where Hal saves her from the two soldiers, Mm -hmm. she actually, in the book is accosted by Howell because Howell, his reputation is that he steals women's hearts and Mm. eats them. How romantic. Yeah. So he doesn't have a good reputation in the town. And unbeknownst to us, when you're reading the book, it was Howell that she meets in the alleyway who wants to take her for a drink and it's not the two soldiers. And then Howl's like, Ooh, let me save you. No, <laughs> it is not like that. The whole book, Howl and Sophie go at each other's throats like mad dogs. No kidding. Yeah. And the only I'm t- 
I'm not even joking. The last five minutes of the audiobook were the only romantic parts, parts where they actually come together and somewhat confess their love for each other. Did they hug? Uh, I, they may have kissed. I don't even know. It was so brief. Oh, wow. Well, that I guess wasn't the important bit. It was not. Definitely not. There's a lot. They don't, there's no aspects of war in the book. Howell doesn't transform. None of that. It was so reading the book to hopefully illuminate the aspects we didn't understand from the movie did not help. No, it seems that the movie has a little bit more going for it. No offense to the author, of course. I like like the war aspects of it and the cool machinery. It was just fun. Now, <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. That sounds awful. The the Ghibli take on it was fun. It brought like, a different dynamic yeah, to the movie for sure. Yeah, they made Howl a, a bird fighter pilot. Yeah. How, and How cool. And actually, I don't want to deviate too much from the book. Let's not. But I just want to highlight that, unfortunately, Miyazaki's take on the war in this movie was directly based on the Iraq war. No kidding. And he actually declined his Oscar for Spirited Away in 2003 because of I his view on that. that. So that is why there's war in the movie. And doesn't make you feel really good as, as an American, but I was, I was a wee little baby when that was going on. Yeah. Well, you know what they say? War is hail. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think they say that. I don't know. <laughs> and I don't want to get too pol political. I just wanted to, a lot of people might not know that. I didn't know that, but Miyazaki does have in a lot of his movies, vignettes of war. Mm, yeah. And it's definitely prev prevalent in this one. Um, the main character in Princess Mononoke, I can't remember his name off the top of my head, but Howell and him have a very similar stance on war and violence. Yeah. So I wasn't too shocked that there was war in this movie, but the exact meaning of it and deviating so far from the book well, in the movie was. It's even like in his hit movie, My Neighbor Totoro, when the enemy's AC-130 is flying over the girls, just carpet bombing the side of the mountain. Uh, yeah, no, I'm absolutely kidding. Don't get oh, me Oh my gosh, I was like, <laughs> <laughs> no. uh, did I miss that part? <laughs> I think that's why My Neighbor Totoro is so charming, because that is just from moment one. <laughs> What? I was like, are you getting my neighbor Totoro mixed up with Grave of the, the Fireflies? Fireflies? No, I was just uh, juxtaposing the exact opposite of what Totoro is. What a swell movie that is. Yeah, if you just want a completely blissful ride, it's my neighbor Totoro. And, and we'll eventually talk about it, but those girls, we, we watched the English version, and those girls, the, Fanning the Fannings, girls. did so freaking good at their young little age when they did that movie. You believe that those two cartoons are in fact sisters because their voices are sisters. So it mm -hmm. makes sense. But oh, so cute. So cute. So I'll try to make this really brief about the book. So because it did illuminate some things. Okay. Sophie, you come to find out she actually is a witch. She doesn't even know it. What? So not a strong witch, not a powerful witch, but she has some powers. So when she's in the hat shop, she has a fancy of talking to the hats while she's making them. You're going to be worn by this type of woman or you're going to make 
you know, so she talks to things and the what items. A psycho. <laughs> well. Just kidding. We all talk to ourselves. When... I do. But the hats or the things she talks to, like the turnip man, the turnip head scarecrow. Yes. Things that she talks to in the book, which they don't have a lot in the movie, end up taking on powers because she's talking to them. So you find out later certain hats that she's talked to have been bought and worn by certain people. And those wishes that she has put on those hats have come true for those people. Wow. And the turnip head at the end of the movie turns into a prince, the missing prince that the war is kind of not going on about, but he's going to go and stop the war. Turnip head is actually two different people. In really? in the body of That's the scarecrow, cool. which is the prince and the, uh, and I can't remember. I don't think it's Solomon, but it's a teacher of howls, I think, like a wizard guy. Interesting. And the point of Turniphead is the witch of the waste. So she's so obsessed with howl because she's trying to make this perfect man and took the prince and this wizard and is trying to take literal bits of them their head their body their arms and she wants a part of howl to finish making this perfect person witches of the waste want one thing and it is absolutely (laughs) disgusting (laughs) wow that's kind of yeah that's dark yeah um calcifer was kind of the same his personality kind of like that dry humor he was cool markle's a little older And there's an interesting love triangle in the book with Sophie finding out as she's working with Howell that Markle or Mark in the book is in love with one of her sisters and Howell is in love with another one of her sisters. And Howell, what he does is he wounds, swoons all these women and tries to do favors and stuff to get them to love him. And then once they love him, he leaves them. Because he obviously, we find out, just like in the movie, he doesn't have a heart. Yeah. So once he gets them to love him, ditches them, and that's where the eating of hearts came from, kind of. And also, Howell doesn't want to work for the king to find his missing brother, which is the premise in the book, since there's no war. And uh, Markle ends up spreading rumors in the town, so no one wants Howell to work for them. And like blackens his name, basically. So he Slander. starts. Mm-hmm. Wow. I feel like I'm not making sense there. No, it's making when sense. When I tell you that there is so much different, even like when it comes down to the characters and how they interact is just. Oh, I'm sure at this vastly point it'd, different. Be, it'd be a lot easier just to say what was the same. The same, but. Yeah. Yeah. What, Which is the, the door. Fun in that. Which is the door. Yeah. How the door changes. That's the same. It doesn't go to the dark place, how it has the dark position on the door. That's not quite the same. Gotcha. Okay. But the door and how it travels. Um, what else is the same? Not a lot. Not a lot. Let That's me okay. tell you that. Getting away from the similarities that are very few <laughs> from the book to the movie. Yeah. Something that was interesting to gleam from the book was because of Sophie's ability to be able to charm objects that's the reason why Calcifer, being a falling star, can live after he gives Hal's heart back. Because she basically, because she tells him 
you're not going to die, basically, mm-hmm. and is kind of giving him that boost, is able to keep him surviving after that life force of Howl's heart that he traded to be able to live. Interesting. That's pretty cool. Because I did wonder that, like, why? <laughs> How is Kelsifer living? Because in the movie, they just brush it off, basically, oh, because of your love, maybe? Because Sophie is a force in the movie that really brings everyone together. So that's kind of the reason of how he's able to stick around in the movie Hmm. and just has a little bit more power in the book because you find out at the end that she has this actual power. Well, that is absolutely charming. Can we talk about some favorite moments? Sure. All right. My first favorite moment's very easy. When Turniphead shows up. That is a very charming part of the movie. And it was so fresh. We didn't really get much of the magical magical at that point. So that was the first punch in the face of, hey, there's some magic around here. She helps him stand up. And then this dude's just smoking a huge pipe and just chillaxing, (laughs) following her. And he's also so nice. It was very cute. She's like, no, 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 no. You you, go go on, go do this. And he does it. And very fun. Yeah. He is a very charming character. Uh, actually, he's a terror to Sophie in the book because she does not know why he's charmed and chasing them. <laughs> Sophie's a real jerk in that book. I'll tell you that much. Yeah, I'll tell you what. Man, I hope that the main characters don't even like her and like her sisters instead. <laughs> gotcha. Take that, Sophie. Gosh, mm. there is. If you really want a fun ride to see how different the book is, I would definitely recommend giving it a read or a listen. Yeah, that sounds pretty good. You want to get into some favorite parts? That We just talked about my favorite part, Turnip Head. Oh. It's, it's your turn. I forget about yep. Turnip Head being your... That, is that, that's a favorite character. That's not really a favorite No, part. the moment of him showing up is a favorite moment. Don't you skimp. It's your turn. <laughs> so um, I'm just going to put a big blanket over the long joke sections okay such as when uh howell asks sophie to see the king or solomon in the movie to blacken his name basically so he doesn't have to do the war stuff and he says to sophie don't worry i'll be in disguise so i can watch over you oh yeah this heen little dog with bird legs ends up coming out the cut in the in the town square and sophie turns at him and says you're howl in disguise, right? And obviously he can't say anything. So you have this seven long minute sequence of her going up the big ass steps to the castle. Yep, carrying the dog. Well, carrying the dog. on what's her name? The Witch of the Waste. And then you find out once she finally gets to Solomon, it's actually her spy. and It's not howl. <laughs> yeah. So there's one long joke which I think is was hilarious watching one, it. Yeah. And then the other joke was Howl or the king coming in in that same scene. The king comes in, quote unquote, and is talking to Sophie and Solomon. And then the real king comes in, yeah. <laughs> who is the complete opposite with how Howl's acting. And then you find out, hmm, one of these people is not the real one. And it's this one. And then... That was kind of a funny part. It was good. I like that. Um, another, because I'll actually say a scene this time, but. It was a scene. That's true. It was more of like a feeling. 
feeling <laughs> that, was, that was in fact scenes. Is, I guess you're right. But keep do you it have going. A, do you have no, a second no, one? Keep it going. I'm not stopping you. So I loved the scene of Howl gifting Sophie the garden. Okay. And in effect, his little home that he grew up in. I thought that was a really sweet scene. Okay. And I loved when she goes through the black door eventually to yeah. try and tap in and find where he is. Cause at that point in the movie, he's very volatile and keeps changing. And as we hear from Calcifer in the movie, the more you do that, you're going to be less like yourself. You're not going to be able to go back to who you are. Yeah. I loved the, well, two scenes that are just, they're always going to get knocked out of the park in my mind is one, the cooking scene. Oh, that was my lovely cooking gosh. the bacon eggs and all that stuff. That was great. That is like the best meme floating on the internet. Yeah. I see that all the time. So freaking good. And then the second was, I mean, this movie has exactly what I'm digging. And when she first shows up at the castle and he's like, what the heck are you doing here? Oh, I'm your cleaner. When she tidies that place up, that was so satisfying. It was insane. I, my skin literally crawled when she went into the bathroom and how disgusting oh, it was. Oh yeah, that was pretty. I mean, what the heck it was how using crayons all over the bathroom it was like colored weird too yeah well he does do a lot of spell work in the book because he's such a womanizer he spends so depending on how long he spends in the bathroom is how close he is to wooing whatever woman he's kind of going after interesting and so he has a lot of spells in the bathroom as you see in the movie supposedly he gets mad at Sophie because she messed up some of his hair coloring dyes and his hair turns kind of like a red blonde. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. So I think he's just messy with doing all of his like potions and, and he scents himself. So he smells really nice. He's and... probably a potion seller. Oh yeah. He's, oh no, yeah. He... I, that, no, don't, don't oh. take that bait. It was a stupid meme. Oh. There's a video of the <laughs> potion seller one, remember? Uh-uh. I need your strongest potion. No, I don't. You can't handle my strong potion. It would kill you. You've never seen that one? I don't. Maybe I have, but I don't think so. Right after this recording, we're watching that. That's for sure. (laughs) But yeah, and it's a cool little metaphorical thing. At least I don't know if I'm just being that guy in art class who reads too much into stuff. But the castle's kind of, in my mind, it's kind of like him too. Because when she comes in, she starts cleaning the joint. She's also the cleaner of him in this movie. She's mm-hmm. definitely putting him on the straight and narrow and getting him situated because he goes out and he's this super confident guy, as you see, especially in the beginning. He's dressed to the nines. He's a stud. The women love him. He's not hounding after him like in that dirty book you had there. But that's just his outward appearance. And then when he gets home and he's truly him, he is just. Not fun to be around. And at one time he turns into a loogie. Well, that's after his hair colors. True. But I mean, that goes to show you mess with his outward appearance. He just crumples inside. And that's so it's just absolutely reprehensible. <laughs> well, he's very vain. I think that's something that Miyazaki was able to really hone in in from the book. And then the movie is just how much vanity and how childish Howl is. Yeah, that boy Vane, no doubt. Yeah, except unfortunately he's like so beautiful and is able to overcome all of his 
bad faults very quickly in the movie, mm-hmm. but I don't fault it for it because I really love Hal. <laughs> I really do. Yeah, hey, I, I could agree. He's, He's a cool really character. He's really not bad that long. Well, and things get so heated up in that loogie moment i just say that because he basically is turning into slime at Mm -hmm. one point because he's just down in the dumps that seems like it's something that is gonna shift that movie and then it's resolved in like two minutes when sophie finally goes okay you quit with the temper tantrum mark will bring him upstairs and give him a bath exactly and also by the way is markle go by michael in the book uh oh Yes. Did I call him Mark before? I may have called him Mark. Oh, I think okay. it is no, Michael. No, because I, I think I had remember seeing that. Yes, I think it is Michael. Okay, so it's Michael. That's very fun. Markle, Michael, I could see that, yeah. Sure, why not? hmm Yeah, other than that, I mean, it, the runtime of this movie is not too bad, but it doesn't feel like a long movie. 90 minutes? I think something of that sort. I, I, I. Let me take a moment here and let me just do a little look right here. And it is, in (laughs) fact, one hour, 59 minutes. Oh. So now we're talking a nice. Oh, wow. 120 minute movie. Doesn't feel like it. This thing cruises. And that's why it's hard even thinking of scenes because I'm like, well. It was just it was there and then it was gone. Yeah, it. It does beautifully transition. I love the scene where they transform the house yes to make it a little bit bigger for their growing family that was so cool and the big buff scene from calcifer when he sophie's kind of boosting him up like you can do it you're the strongest fire or whatever and he goes like beast mode and he's like super big to make the house move really quick oh yeah he gets huge and you're damn right he is my favorite character by far well and just even watching the castle is fun. The animators, beautiful, beautiful, as of course you'd expect with this. But just the way that they yeah, problem solved the whole idea of getting this thing to move and actually executing it. It's fun to just watch it shift and all this stuff. It's fun to see all the different entryways and the kind of balconies and how turnip head at one point is like standing on and you're like there's no way he should be able to but i believe it because (laughs) this is so crazy and that whole scene of it falling apart at the end that was great Mm -hmm. not the event itself but the scene and just overall a joy i mean there's not too much i can really go into except for saying that this is a i think this movie is a must oh for sure i would recommend watching this probably at or around the same time you watch Spirited Away. Yeah. Am I biased because I like pretty much most, if not all of the Ghibli stuff? Yes. But it all boils down to what's easy to get into and what's easy to even watch around kids. Some of this, if you've got a young kid in the house, it's a little bit on the scarier side, kind of with the war imagery and stuff. But other than that, talk about letting your imagination fly. I miss when I had an imagination like this. Mm-hmm. The absolute absurdity. So I want to end today's podcast with the million dollar question. Okay. Ooh. I did not prepare you for it. So I hope you're ready. Oh boy. So how is the best designed character in a Miyazaki film? Just based on his fit. He's going to get his fit on whether he wants to help the king or not. Oh. So who is your, who, which anime characters fit? Or outfit 
would you cop if you could? If I could cop an anime person. And I won't restrict you to only one. If you, I have a couple. So I know I'm putting you on the spot. Do you want to think about it? And I'll talk about mine. Why don't you talk about a couple of yours and let me get some of that situated? Okay. Yeah. So mine would be I love Kikio's Miko outfit from Inuyasha. Yeah. It's a staple, easily recognizable. Love it. Also from the same show, I love Sango's Slayer outfit. Oh, yes. That's one of my favorites for sure as far as female characters go. Very cool. You'll see a theme because the the rest of them are like battle gear, I guess. Okay. I love Asuna's Night of the Blood Oath outfit with the trailing cape and it's mostly white with the red accents. Yep. I don't like red, but I love the uses usage of red in that outfit. Okay. And Ice Wallenstein's gear outfit from Is It Wrong to Try and Pick Up Girls in a Dungeon? That breast pit plate with oh, the under titty showing. Just the one. Hot. Just the one. Yeah. And the high boots. Fire. Definite fire. I could agree with that. And if I could gender bend a little bit, I think Howell's outfit with those high waisted black trousers and the white billowy shirt with his little cape. Is the best thing ever. Okay. Okay. So that's what I was inspired by this section. So I want to know. Now it's tough. I think there's a lot more uniqueness to mostly female characters, right? And if you even look at like top male anime characters, I I guarantee you, you're going to go down the list and go, oh, nice. A red trench coat, a black trench coat, a suit a t-shirt that's it they get so unique there's a mumai from kabaneri in the iron fortress i was showing you love the character design because they get unique with the skirt the bandages the arm things and i'm already a plain dresser so if i had to hit it with you i gotta say Killua's white shirt with that blue undershirt nice we got streetwear use k urameshi he's rocking jeans like it's and that classic white tee. Uh, come on, in his jacket, sick. If I was going to get dressed up, got to go with Spike from Cowboy Bebop. I think if I wanted to look, the only like trench coat kind of deal that I would wear would be Edward from Full Metal Alchemist. That's pretty dope. And if we can count it, and if I had the means and didn't have anywhere I needed to go and just was going to act wacky and put something on, do I count the entirety of Alphonse from that show as an outfit? <laughs> Just a straight up suit of armor? I love it. But I think the top, top, and if I could, of course, pull it off, of course, and I think you might agree that this is actually, it's, there's a beauty in its simplicity, and I know it's not directly anime, but technically there was an, an anime made, which we found out, Cloud Strife. With his metal shoulder thing, his yep. kind of turtleneck with no sleeves, and yep. then the, I'm I'm sold. That is, yep. I think that is my top. Honey, you have to stop now, or <laughs> forever. <laughs> <laughs> yep, I think that's that's the look. There we go. I love that sleeveless turtleneck. Hot damn! Yeah, that's the sleeveless turtleneck. Is this year's under titty breastplate? <laughs> you know what I mean. I know exactly but what no, you mean. Very good question. That's something that, yeah, maybe I should have had you prep me, yeah? 
I I agree. I'm, I'll prep you moving forward. No. And it's actually, fun. do you know what I thought of today at work and I forgot to write it down on my list, but yeah. do you know what should have been my not necessarily anime, but what should have been my top outfit? Ooh, what is it? Can you guess from a game? From a game? Mhm. A game we love very much that we played last year and has a lot of lewd artwork about. Oh, yeah, that should be. Is it 2B from Nier Automata in her cute dress with all the intricacies? Yeah. And that's so good. Two booty. Two booty. <laughs> yeah, that, she, yeah, oh, such cool character design in that game. The cute little short hair bob. The works. Everything. I love that outfit. The only hindrance is being able to see. I guess you can go ahead and just. I don't have to see. I'd be a badass. That's true. Just a badass walking into light poles. On the <laughs> <Bong>. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Very good. And that's it. I, that's all I can do from Howl's, by the way. Not that anything we just talked about was Howl's related. <laughs> well, I think, I think it was a nice ending to such a lighthearted and beautiful movie. Yes. Very much enjoyed it. If you went through this and haven't seen it, Bless your heart. We appreciate that you're even going to bother listening to this jumble. Unless you've seen it, you don't even know what the heck we just talked about. <laughs> it doesn't matter if you've watched it or not. It's yeah. our, sometimes our talking is incoherent. Absolutely. But if there is a movie and you want to start getting folks that aren't into this type of stuff into it, it's that's what we're in for. This I, We try and find icebreakers to get people into anime. And this is, an, this is easy. Ghibli is easy mode to the max. So. Mm -hmm. Can't go wrong with any of them. Absolutely. With that said, and I'm going to speak for Danielle here. We are gigantic fans of you. Hope you're fans of us. Danielle, close it out by saying goodbye to the good people. Bye, guys.